Okay, here are reasons to try a Nest mattress. One, they have a mattress for every kind of sleeper. Two, Nest offers free exchanges within a 100-night trial. And three, save hundreds on everything bedroom-related, now through the summer at nestbedding.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I'll Be Right Back. I'm your host, Tony Beltran. If you're not familiar with I'll Be Right Back, the idea of this show is simple. I, myself, Tony Beltran, play right back for Real Salt Lake, but I'm currently out injured for an extended period of time. While I'm recovering, the club and myself thought it would be fun to start this little podcast, this side venture, as kind of a window into RSL where I have conversations with individuals uh, from within the team, from within the community, and talk about things maybe not on-field specific. If you like that, please tweet at me, Tony Beltran 23 or at Real Salt Lake. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like, how we can improve, and who you'd like to have on and what topics you'd like us to discuss. This week was supposed to be Mr. David Horse, but with the RSL, with the condensed RSL schedule right now, I decided to push that to next week because there's a lot going on there. Um, so filling in as a super sub, coming in off the bench, is... Mr. Elliot Fall. Elliot, thank you for coming. No, th- thanks for having me. Super sub role. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I well, mean, you okay. Know. I don't want it to be a slight because, you know, <laughs> it's not like, <laughs> like, oh, no one else can come on. So we'll call Elliot. I mean, you were definitely coming on the show at some point. And I it, mean, you called me like eight minutes ago to see if I was, that is if true. I could come on that the show. True. So like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. The I'm important kidding. thing is that I asked you before I asked Trey. So for that's, sure. That's really that's, all that matters. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, that Eve, is true. Uh, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, and man, so I was thinking about it this morning. You and I have been, well, you started RSL in 2007, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> started as an intern in April of 07, uh, while I was still in school at, at, at the University of Utah, okay. and it's all uh, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> Twelve years later, so this is my eleventh year. I started in '08, so like, yep. yeah, it's kind of crazy, you know. I mean, I think you're you and Trey are the only two people that are still here from the beginning, from when I showed up. Yeah, as far as like front office staff. Yeah, there's like there there might be one or two <clears throat> more, but there's not there's not many. That's exactly. Sure. Yeah, there's, well, there's a, a small number of us. That's true, but it is very cool that we've known each other for more than a decade. That is. Uh, very neat. Okay, so for people who don't know who you are, because you're obviously some, you're like a, a pivotal cog in the RSL, in in who RSL is. Um, but for those who aren't familiar, because you're not at the forefront of like a lot of media stuff and whatnot, sure. In your role, give us the elevator pitch on like who Elliot Fall is, what you do with the club, and and all that. Sure. So yeah. So my my title now, I'm, I'm the assistant general manager. So I work directly with with uh, Craig Weibel every day on all aspects of the first team. So mainly salary cap management, um, understanding contract structures, all of that. Uh, I, I weigh in on, on different moves. Um, although from a, from a scouting and talent evaluation standpoint, that, that lands more on the desks of Craig, Mm -hmm. Dane Murphy, our technical director, Andy Williams, our head scout. So those guys are doing the, the kind of, technical evaluations of players um and and i weigh in on the salary cap side the the contract management all of that so that's what i do there um for the last several years well three years i was the general manager of the rail monarchs um this year i passed that role on to dan egner Mm -hmm. um, who is now our the gm of the monarchs but i uh I, i still help on the monarch side to kind of oversee the operations um 
just ensure that things are going smoothly and pitch sure. in when needed. Yeah. Um, and then I am also, uh, I, I oversee the academy. Um, so I, I, you know, it's, it's my job to make sure that, that the administration and, and operations of the academy are, are going smoothly and, and, and that, that Martin and his staff are put in a position to continue to develop players. Okay. So, so that sounds like 10 jobs. That doesn't sound yeah, like one job. That's <laughs> it's funny. It sounds like it, it kind of feels like it, but you know, it's good. I, I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, that is good. But I think, you know, that description kind of speaks, you know, accurately to like everything that you do at Real Salt Lake is really important, how pivotal you are and uh, just how you're at the forefront at all. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I didn't realize this, but you're at the GM for the Monarchs for three years. Yep. You started that club won a championship and then bounced and was like, all right, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> I mean, I don't want it to, I don't want it to, I don't want to seem like it was, oh, I won a championship. I'm out. It was, it was very much a team effort. I mean, I think I will say, I think Dan deserves a lot of credit. He was the assistant GM of the Monarchs last year and, and did a lot of the legwork and a lot of the dirty work sure. behind the scenes. So it, you know, yeah, that, that team won a, won a regular season championship and had an awesome year, but you know, I'm not the GM now and they're doing just as well. So (laughs) (laughs) it's true. The Monarchs are doing well, really well. Congratulations to them. Um, okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the journey because you haven't always been the assistant general manager of Real Salt Lake. Um, so like you said, you started interning in 2007. So let's talk about the journey between then and now and how, what brought you there? Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. I said, started in April of 2007 as an intern in the PR and, and media relations department. Um, I, you know, I, I, basically was, you know, I, it was going into my last year. So it was between, uh, so you're still, you were still at the U. Yeah. So it was basically the okay. summer before my senior year at the okay. U and I was looking for an internship, something to do. And I had always, you know, I grew up playing soccer, a huge fan, yeah. um, love the sport, love the game. And so wanted to do something a little different and applied for an internship in the PR department, which ironically I had never taken any PR classes or anything. <laughs> I, you know, I was naive at the time. I, you know, put my name out there for something I probably had no training to actually do. But, uh, so I ended up getting the internship along with a handful of other people. And then at the end of that season, um, Trey Fitzgerald, who was our, who's our VP of broadcasting and, and public relations, uh, offered me a full-time job. And so I started January 1st, 2008 as a, um, a full-time employee of RSL. I, I would still had to finish at the U. So I, I spent, that semester, so the spring semester of 2008, taking classes and that must have been fun. Finishing back up. and forth, yeah. it was that was one of the that was one of the worst six. The months. The interns that work for us, it's like, unbelievable. Yeah, I see, like especially in that athletic de- uh, athletic uh, trainer department. Yeah. Like I see the hours they they're here all day long. Yeah. They're here for like eight hours and then they go to class or they're to class yeah. before that and then they're taking tests and like it's brutal. It, I can't imagine. It's that. it's no joke. I mean, you're you're putting the hours in and and you you're earning your you're earning your way. Earning your there's position, there's yeah, no doubt. Sure. So. Um, so yeah, so I had the great fortune of being able to do that and, and got hired full time in the PR department and worked in the PR department then for, for two seasons. So basically, I mean, literally two full years, um, was, was a member of the PR department did, I, I kind of started a lot of the video stuff that we used to mm-hmm. do nothing remotely close to what Tyler Gibbons and his group. Just Dude, I, his, I don't know. I they remember do some the awesome Paul, stuff. Like, I remember your highlight tapes, like your <laughs> pump up tapes before games. Jason would have you make one yeah, like, yeah, before a big yeah, game. Yeah. And I was always, I was always fired up. Like I was always ready to run through a wall. Hey, so. you throw up a, you, you throw a little pump me up song in there and some highlights and some goals. It's not that hard, I guess, but um, you know, had a lot of fun doing that. Got to do, I, I think the highlight, most RSL fans, uh, you know, my, my 15 minutes of fame with RSL is the Javi and Kyle show. 
Uh, that as, was your brainchild? You, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah I did yeah, not it know was, that. It was, uh, yep, the, the Javi and Kyle show was, it was funny. I, I remember the, the genesis of it is, so 2008 was when we were building the stadium, right? Sure. So um, we came out with the whole team for a tour at one point. The stadium wasn't done. I mean, this was mm-hmm. probably, I don't know, I'm guessing April, May or something like that. I remember it was a little chilly outside. It yeah, wasn't, yeah. you know, but it was, but it was spring. Um, and we were touring through they, you know, there was still wasn't grass on the field. There wasn't any of that. It was still a lot of, uh, the skeleton, but, but I had a video camera and I was just kind of following the team around trying to get some reaction. And at one point it was, you know, it was actually over on the North end. I remember looking down into the, into the stadium and Kyle and Javi were standing there and, and I said something to one of them. I was like, Hey, or I think it was Kyle. I was like, Hey, you want to say something on camera? Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And, and so he grabs a microphone and starts talking. And then all of a sudden Javier was there and it just, it just kind of naturally happened where <laughs> Javi started trying to speak English to Kyle. Cause this was Javi's I mean, yeah. Javi signed in August of 2007 and he didn't speak any English. So mm-hmm. he was still very much learning English. Kyle speaks a little bit of Spanish. I mean, Kyle can, can get by yeah, in Spanish, yeah. uh, but it's broken Spanish. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not perfect <laughs> Spanish. And so they started kind of jokingly talking to each other in Javi in English, Kyle in Spanish. And it, we were like, this is incredible. Like this stuff's <laughs> awesome. And so we just said, all right, let's do the Javi and Kyle show. And we, that's what we did. And it, it lasted for, lasted for, I don't know, a year and a half, something like that. I think the last one we did was sometime in 2009. We interviewed commissioner Garber at one point. Really? And yeah. I didn't realize it, that. Yeah. And it, it, uh, after that, I think, the, the reality is, I think what happened is Javi got too good at speaking English, and it wasn't as awesome as it was <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah, no, I got you. His English the, is like incredible. Oh, it's now. perfect. It's like now, second yeah, yeah, it's perfect. But it was so that was the Javi and Kyle show was my 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> I, we had we had a guy who came in for six months as the president, um, uh, Alan Pace, and Alan Pace called me the uh, the one hit wonder in the office because because <laughs> of the uh, the Javi and Kyle show. So um, you know that's I always have that one to fall back. I on, mean that so. does perfectly encapsulate what essentially what locker room conversations are like even right now because it's so funny being in the locker room every day it's like spanish nicknames and english (laughs) nicknames and like people trying to talk back and forth in different languages and some stuff comes off some people have no idea what's going on but everybody's laughing and the guys pick it up and start throwing it at (laughs) each other they don't know what they're even saying exactly no it was it was it was a lot of fun you know every once in a while it's fun to go back and look at the javi and kyle show if you if you do go back and look at them on youtube they are there the video quality not what it would not be. HD, not, not HD, not even close. <laughs> you know, you might want to watch it on your, you know, your old tube television. Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. You might want to, yeah, plug plug it in with the old red, white, and and yellow, yellow cables. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, um, it's it's pretty amusing. The content was pretty funny. So uh, so I did a lot of that stuff. So then after the the uh, 2009 season, after winning the championship, which was you know a highlight for yeah, all of us, I think of it course. was you know it was incredible. Uh, we were we were actually at Trey's wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was New Year's Eve, and Trey still gets mad about this. Thanks for the invite, Trey. All the by time. the way, yeah. thanks for the invite, yeah. buddy. Yeah, good work, Trey. <laughs> uh, so we were at Trey's wedding, and I was sitting next to I was at the table with with Garth Lagerway, our old GM, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. our our old team administrator had just left to take a position with the Baltimore Orioles, Ray Trafari, yep. and and uh, and Garth goes, Hey, Elliot. Uh, Ray just left. Do you have any interest in, you know, being the team administrator? And I was like, sure, that sounds fun. I'll, yeah, I could give that a shot. And so I went in and had a conversation with him on Monday. And by Tuesday, I was the team administrator. And 
uh, Trey was still on his honeymoon, so he still gets really <laughs> mad that I I bailed on him on his honeymoon. But you know, it is what it bailed is. Bailed on him on his honeymoon? Yeah. You mean you were supposed to go with him? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, no. I bailed on his department. Oh, I left okay. his department. Sorry. <laughs> Let me clarify. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Left gotcha, his okay. left his department. Left him down a man. I was uh, gonna say I knew you guys are close. But, but yeah. <laughs> no, by the time he got back from his honeymoon, he was down an employee. So okay, um, I got you. And so that's I, uh, for those who don't know, like the team administrator is quite possibly the hardest position at RSL. <laughs> I don't know about that. There's some tough ones. The, the equipment manager, I would the not equipment want to be manager that. It's a, a very tough one as well. Yeah. But the team administrator in particular um, is a tough one because you're dealing with, okay, essentially it's like, uh, it's like, I don't know, not, I don't want to say a glorified, ba- glorified babysitter position, no, but you're that, just like, that's exactly what you're it. like, you, you, you're handling things for 30 a people who should be adults, but like also obviously there's a lot of cross-cultural stuff that you need to deal with and you have to figure out a lot of stuff as far as green card and all that stuff as you go. But essentially like you're at the beck and call of 30 people who constantly want something done and want it done (laughs) now. doesn't matter if it's Sunday, five o'clock or or for sure. For sure. Look, it has its, I mean, it has its challenges and there are tough parts of it, but it's also a blast. I mean, that job, that job, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And, and look, part of it, you were, you remember the team at the time, those were some of the, the greatest years in RSL history. For I mean, sure. that group was awesome. And that locker room was a blast to be a part of and, and to kind of see, you know, that whole run in 2010 to the, to winning our champions league group and, yeah. and, um, and having a stretch, I, you know, I can't remember what it was. It was, you know, we lost one of our last like 27 MLS games or something yeah. crazy like that. And just that group was such a cool group and it was, you know, it was fun to be a part of all of that. So. I agree. It was a like the accolades on the field speak for themselves. But you're right. Uh, touching on just the personalities we had and like the combination in the locker yeah. room and whatnot and personnel wise, it was it was a very special couple of years yep. where everything just seemed to be clicking no matter yeah. what happened. And everybody, I remember just having so much fun playing soccer. Yep. Like driving to the stadium on Saturday for a game, I had I've never had so much confidence in our team and our ability, just like we're gonna win and we're gonna dominate yeah. while we win. It was. It just felt so yeah, easy. Yeah, it, it was a cool, and, you know, I think this is something you can certainly vouch for as well because we've had a ton of talented teams, sure. extremely talented teams over the years. We've had, you know, we've had dozens, if not hundreds of elite players, you know, over the years and, and before that and since then. Yeah. But when you're in a locker room that, that has a special vibe to it, there's just a different – there's a different feel there is and, and you just you, you can't the, what's what's tricky is you can't put your finger you, you can't you can't sit here and say that's that's what did it or this is what did it but it's just when everything comes together everything comes together and it's it's pretty cool to see yeah i agree it's it's when you're when you don't have that it's hard to figure out how you would it, get there exactly but when you have that it's it just it feels so right and yeah. you quickly understand why it is the way yeah. it is yep um and i think you know just real quickly uh Last year, at the end of uh, 2017, we were kind of like that a little yeah. bit, and uh, this year we're clicking now. Although we will stick, you know, we'll stay away from the field stuff there. But um, so, anyways, okay. So you're you're the team administrator for yep. three years, yep. And kind of, um, I think uh, it's important to note that because during that time, like over your you know, 12 year tenure and my tenure tenure or 11 year tenure, the league has grown so dramatically. Oh. And so essentially, you know, on your side of it, on the front office side, you were growing with the league and that's why you understand MLS so well. And that's why you're kind of perfect, perfectly suited for the the assistant GM role and just kind of, you know, every hat can do everything within the club and, you know, for MLS because there's just so many hoops to jump through. And it's such a MLS is such a different animal than maybe every other major sports league. Um, okay. So you're there for three years and then you make the jump to assistant general manager. So 
Let's talk a little bit uh, about that, though. Um, from your perspective, as far as, you know, like you said, touching back to where we started at Rice Eccles and yeah. now to where we are now. Yeah. Sometimes it seems like it happened in the blink of an eye, yep. but it really didn't. Correct. Um, so let's just talk a little bit about a perspective, like about how far the RSL has grown, but also not only that, but just the league in general. Oh, I mean, it's incredible. From from the day I got here, you know, in 2007, when I, when I started as an intern, we were right on the verge of not being a team anymore um and and it basically what it was coming down to was whether you know whether we got approval to build the stadium or not mm -hmm. and and once we did then then you knew that things were okay things are moving forward we're in a good spot yeah um but i mean like you said we were playing at rice Eccles, which is it's great for football i'm i'm a ute so i love i love rice Eccles, but it's yeah. not a good soccer venue no. it's yeah. not it's not a good place to play soccer um and so to then Go to go from that to then opening our own building, which is you know been a spectacular home for us, and it's a great venue to to play and to to be a spectator in. Mm -hmm. To you know this year opening a eighty million dollar training facility, that's something that if if you had told me in two thousand eight when we were building this stadium, oh just just wait in ten years you're gonna have another you know you're gonna have another facility that's massive with two indoor fields and six training fields, yeah. you know, six outdoor fields and all this. I, I there's no you. chance I would have believed no. you. And, and so the growth has been incredible. And, and on top of that, you know, we've added, you know, at that time it was just RSL. Mm -hmm. Now we have the Monarchs, we have, we have the Royals, we have two full-time academy teams that are residential programs. I mean, it's, it's incredible the growth that we've gone through and, and the league, the league kind of mirrors that growth. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the growth of the league has has been on a similar trajectory, and it, it's been it's been fun to see. I mean, to see the development and the, and the level that that this league is is at, uh, both in terms of, you know, not just like we moved into a stadium. You now have almost every team has their own stadium. Yeah. You have, you know, how many? It used to be that, you know, in two thousand eight when you were a rookie half the road trips were probably to, to venues that were just a disaster yeah, to play in. we'd go to Kansas City and we'd yeah. play on whatever that yeah. baseball field yeah. was. And exactly. Like, you know, like half it would be dirt and yep. it would be terrible surface to play on and it didn't yeah. seem professional at, at all. I, I agree yeah. with you. Sometimes and I look around now and I'm just like, how did we get here so And quickly? those are the exception to the rule now. I <clears> for mean, sure, yeah. You, now, now the expansion teams are the Atlanta Uniteds mm -hmm. and the LAFCs where, you, I mean, you look at, you know, I haven't been to a game in Atlanta, but I, you know, I'm excited to see our game later this year. It'll be our first game there, but yeah, you get seventy thousand people there, and it's just nice. it's incredible. And and so, you know, the the fan support has just been unbelievable, and it's been it's been really cool. So, so how do we? Uh, so, are, are there any trepidations on your side? Because obviously, that is a tremendous amount of growth in, in a short period of time. Sure. And nobody, you know, we can't deny that it's exciting for MLS and all that. But are there any reservations on your end where you see, are we going too fast or from a club standpoint, from a league standpoint, what do you think? Uh, you know, I wouldn't say trepidations are, are the wrong word. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't, it's not, I'm certainly not fearful of the growth. I think as long as we continue to, to grow in the right ways, sure. um, you know, it's important not to, to grow in ways that aren't sustainable, yeah. um, which is why I think to me, the most important thing that we can do as a league um, to take another Step several forward. steps forward is in terms of youth development. Um, you know, I think, I and I I think that 
not only can that help the league and, and build a, you know, a sustainable foundation, but it's also, that's what's going to help us as a, as a soccer country. That's sure. what's going to help our national team. That's yeah. what's going to help, you know, uh, just every aspect of this sport in the country, because for many, many years, you didn't have any real developmental model in this country. You didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't have clubs that were doing it, certainly yeah. not doing it in a, in, you know, at, a, at an elite level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I now think you have MLS clubs and some USL clubs even, and, um, that are, that are investing massive resources into developing players. And mm-hmm. that's what you need. Um, because that's how you're going to, that, that's how you make it so that, you know, the Landon Donovans aren't the once in a generation talent. They're the, you know, or, you know, once in a decade talent, sure. they are the, the norm. They're really. the norm. Exactly. Yeah. They're you're, you're, you're churning out world-class players on a regular basis. And that's, that's the important thing, you know, the important next step to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think uh, it almost seemed like the academies popped up overnight, to be honest, a couple yeah. of years ago. Um, that was a really smart move by the league. And the interesting thing about that, cause uh, you know, I talked to Albert or the other guys that have come from, you know, uh, from Europe, from other countries where that model has been in place for a long time. And that's why those countries mm-hmm. are so good at soccer. Why that's why they have, all these great players is because, you know, because these kids are doing it nonstop over and over day in and day out from a very young age, but it is different over there than it is here. And I think that's also important to acknowledge because for example, Albert stopped going to school, I think when he was 13 and that's how it is in these big countries, you know, that's how Slovakia does it. That's how England does it. But that's not exactly, that's not how you do it in America. Nope. That's not practical. That's not something that's realistic. Um, you know, people would freak out about that. That's, that's not ethical. So I feel like we've done a good job of kind of blending those two and finding a happy medium. Um, You know, the facilities these kids kids have are insane. Yes, they're going to school and they're getting a great education, but they're also every resource available is there for them to become the soccer players, you know, for them to become Christian Pasilic and all that, you know, Landon Donovan and all that stuff. And, you know. So, yeah, look, I mean, blend it into you kind of touch on it a little bit there. I mean, it's, create, honestly, it's one know, thing that we something that talk, works with our culture, and we joke a little bit about it, and but it provides it's also kind of true. Is kids when, when you go out and see our facility, college, you see yeah. the dorms our kids live in. We walk around there, and we're like, play in college. Wait till these kids go to college, and all of a sudden, it's gonna be a big shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College is a college school dorm now. It's you know one of the most important things for us is put every kid in a position to go play soccer at a D one institution. You know. Look, we've from we've invested in and, and the athletic perspective prepared them for that. Resources yeah. into so you know that's it. That's a huge. That's a huge I, emphasis I that we've, we've got. I'm excited sure. to see that's okay. There we have it. A little uh, mini state of the league, state of sure. RSL from uh, from Elliot Paul. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, so let's talk about the World Cup. This is crazy. So we're recording this on June 7th, and the World Cup starts next week. And to be honest, up until a couple of days ago, it didn't feel like for me. I, it, the World Cup almost seemed like an afterthought. Obviously, yeah. I'm absorbed in my personal life and my rehab and all that stuff, but I think um, the media, or as far as the media attention of this World Cup, is different because obviously the United States didn't qualify for this yeah. World Cup. So it's, um, it hasn't been you know, as highlighted and promoted and whatnot. And so it, it almost seemed like an afterthought in some respects. But when I realized this a couple of days ago that, oh my gosh, the World Cup starts next week, I started, of course, to get excited and whatnot. And so um, it, there is a different feeling to this to the world cup this year, but that doesn't negate any of the excitement, right? Because this is, this is the world cup after all. Yeah, No, I mean, to me, it's the greatest sporting event in the world. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's really not close for me. Um, you know, I would, one thing that makes it incredible is it's every four years. So the stakes are so much higher. Um, you know, 
you, you know, if you, if you miss out on an opportunity this year, it's not like you can just come back next, next year and, or next season and, sure. and, and make the playoffs and win or something it. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, you don't have next year. You've got four years from now, but most people aren't lucky enough to be on two world cup rosters mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, the, the stakes are incredible. The, the, the level of competition is, is as good as it gets. And sure. so it's, I, I love the World Cup. I love every minute of it. And, you know, it, it's a huge bummer the U.S. didn't make it, obviously. We all want to, you know, we all want to watch that. And, of course. You know, we've had so much fun over the years watching, you know, for the last two World Cups, one of our players has been a starter on that, you know, in that group. You know, last, in 2014, it, Kyle Beckerman. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand-assembled in the USA, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 to get 15% off your order today. That's code POD15 at FractureMe.com. Uh, been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. You know, was was one of the one of best the top player on the team. I mean he was Arguably unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He, he was unbelievable and it was that was so fun to watch and so fun to be, you know, to be a fan of that team because, mm-hmm. you know, you know, did the Javi and Kyle show with him and now he's out there <laughs> now he's out there starring at the World Cup. Um and then, you know, it was Robbie Finley in the World Cup before that. Yeah. Robbie Finley was a, you know, a guy who who started a handful of World Cup games and so it's just it's been a really fun thing over the last couple world cups to be able to watch and so we don't have that this time but um you know i i'm still incredibly excited i just in some ways i'm excited to not have the stress of being a fan of one of the teams um sure and, and now i can just watch as a fan as and a i fan. think it'll be it'll be pretty cool so I, yeah i agree um yeah no I, I totally agree okay so as far as as far as that aspect uh let's start let's talk predictions sure so uh who would you like to, who do you think is going to win the world cup and who would you like to see the world win the world cup. Cause this one is a little different of course, because the U S is out so we can take that out of play. Sure. But I think, uh, what's cool about this world cup is that a lot of big po- high profile teams didn't make it. Yeah. You know, Italy didn't make it. We didn't make it. Netherlands, yep. uh, Chile didn't make yep. it. Ghana didn't make Ghana it. Ghana didn't make it. They don't even have a, a an association now. Really? After, I didn't you, didn't, you didn't hear about yet. Oh, yesterday they, a, a documentary came out where they did an undercover investigation and, and, uh, the president was caught taking bribes on camera and they have the government has dissolved the Ghanaian football association. Wow. That is not good. Yeah, no, it's not good. We don't, we don't need to, <laughs> we don't need to dwell on that. It's very unfortunate, but uh, yeah, we won't talk about them or about to. Mexico yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or anything yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, no, but this one is a little bit different because there are teams like, uh, like Egypt, like Peru teams that haven't been there yeah. for, you know, 30, 40 years. Yep. So from that, from that vantage point, it's, it's really exciting Yeah, because you know, now that I have really no national tie to this tournament, yeah. I want to see those, those underdog teams do, do well, well. Yeah. and, you know, hopefully get out of group and yeah. make some noise. And you that, know, one I'm really excited to watch is Iceland because that's a cool story, man. Like it's just what they've been able to do. Sure, you know, yeah. this country of 300,000 people is yeah. 
qualified for the World Cup out of out of Europe. That's that's pretty impressive. It's insane. So uh, you know, I and and man, if they win a game, we can see the Viking clap at the World Cup. That'd be pretty cool. So <laughs> that would be pretty um, cool. Tim Weaver would be excited. About yeah, that. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, uh, so who do you think who do you think is going to win, and who do you want to win? Yeah, uh, who's going to win? Um, I think it's it's a little wide open, but you know, I think it's tough to it's tough to say that there are any teams that are more talented than France. Sure. Um, I think France is... But think about the last 15 years and how France has kind of underperformed sure. these tournaments. For sure. Um, you know, and another team that's historically underperformed, Belgium. I yeah. mean, they're as talented as, as you'll find. Maybe I mean, the best roster on paper. They're unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at... Yeah, you got a roster that has Kevin De Bruyne, Eden Hazard, Hazard yeah. Romelu Lukaku. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got... That's an incredible roster. Um, Spain's pretty good. I feel like people have been relatively quiet about Spain. Yeah. Because I've been asking all the guys around the locker room, like, who do you think is going to win? Yeah. And nobody said Spain. Yeah, it's Spain. Spain. Yeah, Spain Spain obviously could. You know, I think one question there is where do the goals come from? That's um, true. Who's starting up top for them? It's not Torres. Uh, no, it's – I don't even I don't even know. Yeah, okay. I don't even know off the top of my head who they're – you know, who it is. You know, obviously Germany won the last one. They're historically good. They're so good that they couldn't find a spot on the roster for Leroy Sané, so yeah. they must be a – a competitor right I mean yeah I think the I mean people ask me who's gonna win the World Cup and the answer I give them like if I, it's tough you know yeah. it's never clear-cut if I had to bet my house on it I'd probably bet on Germany just because they're it's they're a machine they're they're a factory yeah, they they're are just churning it out they have a system that they all the players understand top to bottom and they believe in and buy yep. into and yep. they just know how to get it done yep. um, they're sure. a fearless group so it would be hard to bet against them yeah um, I, I know what you mean about France I would love to see France do well I really do but I, I just uh I'm a little bit concerned about their mentality, just that yeah. because of their lackluster, you know, tournament history in the World Cups the past three, four. Yeah, I but think again, it's, it's, it's I a think young it's group. fair, but it's also it's one thing that I think is really cool. And you know, Andy Williams and I were talking about this last week. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty fun to go into a World Cup because over those four years, things change so dramatically. It's true. I mean, it's almost at, like a reset. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you look at you look at a team like Brazil. I mean, and and four years ago they were. You know, they were one of the teams that had a chance, but mm-hmm. frankly, they got run off the field in their home country sure. in the quarterfinals, and now they're one of the favorites to, you know, to possibly hoist the trophy. I mean, the, so, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is I do think that you can you can see a team that has historically not performed well, but the reality is most of the guys on the roster aren't. Are, are completely different. So, That's true. And the guys um, on each roster are, know how to win because yeah. they're at big clubs and they're under pressure week in and week yeah. out. And so they're, yeah. they're not unfamiliar to winning trophies. For sure. That, that is very true. Brazil is one of the other Brazil and Argentina were probably the unanimous favorites in the locker room about yeah. as far as Just interesting. What's interesting to me is like a, a team. I think Brazil absolutely, you know, if Neymar's healthy and if sure. Neymar is, is firing on all cylinders, they're, you know, they can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the same goes for Argentina with Messi. But I feel like there's something about Argentina. I mean, you know, they barely even qualified. Yeah. Um, and but 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 Argentina might be my answer for the team I'd like to see win it. Um, just because I think you know Messi's so incredible that. It, it just feels appropriate for him to win a World Cup. I agree. This isn't his swan song by any means, but I think no. he, he as a player, what he's given everybody, he deserves a World Cup yeah. trophy. He does. I would yeah. love to see him uh, hold up the trophy yeah. at the end of this tournament. That especially, would seem very Especially poetic. having lost <clears throat> the last World Cup final and then the last two Copa America finals in penalties. I yeah. mean, like... He's he's he dealt with the heartbreak. That yeah, one. He, yeah, and he's dealt with back. the heartbreak, so it, it'd be fair. I mean, you know, it's... Uh, I would... 
I might be rooting for Argentina just because I think that, that Messi deserves it. I know what you mean. I have a soft spot in my heart for him, too. I mean, this guy, you can tell just he gives everything yeah. on the field. It's not yep. like he's not trying to be brilliant and he's for Argentina. Yeah. And yeah. he only does it with Barcelona. He yeah. is giving everything. And he has yeah. a weight of a nation on his shoulders. Oh, and and I, first of all, he is a gift to everybody who loves soccer. An absolute He's gift. unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's, it's unreal. Is, yeah. We'll never see anything like this in our lifetime again. Um, but so it would it would be beautiful to see him win. And sure. that's why I think... Yeah, I would love to see Argentina go all the way. Okay, well, maybe not. Let's let's backtrack a little bit. Not all the way, but what teams would you like to see? What underdog teams would you like to see make a run? Yeah, I mean, I, you touched on on you another one Iceland, of them too. Yeah. I said Iceland. You t- I think Egypt would be fun to see. I mean, just to 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 see what like Mo Salah did this year sure. with Liverpool. And I'm a Manchester United fan, so it's tough <laughs> to say, but he was awesome for Liverpool. I mean, he's you know he's incredible to watch. You know, he was scored literally couldn't stop scoring yeah and then to see him in the champions league final suffer an injury and you know put his world cup in doubt i I think it'd be really cool to see him come back Mm -hmm. play play well and and do well for egypt so that that's a team um you know i i always i'd like to see costa rica do well Sure. Um, I mean, I think Concacaf team. Yeah, it's a Concacaf oh, team. Well for our league. There's yeah, a lot of players, it does. So yeah. There's a lot of players from our league, and and you know they're a small country, and it, it, it you know feels like they do it the right way. So mm-hmm. I, you know I think it would be that'd be a fun story. So I, I'd probably say those. Those yeah. few. No, I agree with you about about all those Egypt as well. The, Egypt as well. The only one I would add would be Japan, obviously oh, because sure. of uh, you know my in laws. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it would be. Uh, I know how excited Takashi is. I would. I would <laughs> love to see Japan do well too. I uh, you know we've talked about. It a little bit. I was fortunate enough to go to Japan last you year. Were. One of the most incredible places I've ever been. So I would love to see them. I would love to see them. I actually well. wasn't going to bring up your Japan trip just because <laughs> I know it's a sore subject. <laughs> when it's okay for the, it's, I got to tell a story. Yeah, that's fine. that's fine. Okay. Yeah. So, well, first of all, give uh so what were you doing in Japan? So you were we, there with- sure. So we took uh, a U14 team uh, to play in the, the Shinmai cup last year, which is a, a tournament that was hosted by, um, uh, a, a club called Matsumoto Yamaga okay. FC. Um, uh-huh. They're based in Matsumoto. Matsumoto and Salt Lake City are sister cities. Sure. And so that was where the connection came. They invited us to come play in the tournament. So we brought a group of 14, 14 year olds over there. So it was, <laughs> and and we it was won, a blast. Right? We, won the, we tournament. won the tournament. It was, it was, we had a lot. I mean, it was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had for yeah. sure. So. I was so jealous. Yeah, um, it was unbelievable. I still haven't been to Japan. It's been on my you know top of my list for a long yeah. time. But so. I remember the day you came back and I finally saw you and I was so excited. Like, okay, E, how was it? You know, tell me about the trip. And you're giving me the rundown and you're like, all right. So, um, and obviously my father-in-law is Takashi, you know, the, yep. he, he owns Takashi in, in Salt Lake City, the sushi restaurant. And he's, you know, phenomenal and an he's, artist and all that. It's the best restaurant in Utah and it's not even close. The guy's an I absolute mean, legend. He's, he's unbelievable. He is brilliant. He's unbelievable. Um, but so you come back and you tell me, okay, so you got to tell Takashi this. When I was there, I was checking out these, what was, what were they called? So, well, so I, we went to the, the famous, uh, Tokyo fish market, market. the Sakiji fish market. Um, I went with, uh, the, with one of the Japanese guys who helped set everything up. He and I went there and got lunch, but unbelievable sushi. I'm I mean, sure. literally yeah. like straight off right the boat. Of the I mean, yeah. just, you know, unbelievable. And as we were walking around the market, um, they had several knife shops around and, and I was like, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get a knife. Like a knife would be a cool souvenir to bring home yeah. something, 
something both practical that I could use at home. I love to cook, so have something that I can have in the kitchen, but it's also a good story. Good memory. Yeah, yeah. great memory. Exactly. Yeah. And, I mean, the Japanese are famous for making knives, the best yeah. knives in the world. So uh, so we kind of walked around, and at one point I was like, you know, I'll let, I'll go to this shop. And I, and I went over, and they didn't speak English, so the guy who was with me helped me translate, and we just kind of negotiated and although I didn't really do a whole lot of negotiating. <laughs> I pretty much was just like, oh, I'll sure, take that one. Yeah. That one's great. Yeah. So I, I bought a knife and, and it's, it's a super cool knife. It's a traditional Japanese, you know, basically a Japanese chef's knife and bring it home. And, and I was looking at it when I got home, I was like, this thing's incredible. I would love some more Japanese knives for my, for my kitchen. So I, started Googling where to, where to buy some good Japanese knives and ended up clicking on a, on a comment somewhere where this guy was like, Oh, if you want the best knives, you have to go to, uh, Masamoto Sakiji. It's the, it's the world famous knife shop. I Mm -hmm. mean, best, many consider them the best knives in the world. I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. So I click on the, the link on his comment and up pops the storefront where I bought my knife. And the guy who sharpened my knife is one of the three guys standing in the photo, which is awesome. It was incredible. I was like, I was like, I managed to buy a world famous knife and I didn't even know it. This is like, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Okay. So Elliot, yeah. Giddy is a schoolboy, yeah. runs into the stadium, sees me, and is like, <laughs> tells me this whole story. Tony, you got to tell Takashi this. You got to. So I like wrote down the name of the knife and like, okay, I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm going to see him tonight for family dinner. Like, you know, yeah, I'll tell <laughs> yeah. him. I'll, so I go, I see him that night and I tell him that whole story. I was like, oh, Elliot, you know, it's just in Japan. I was telling him about all about the U14s. We did so well. They love the trip. And, and Elliot, he, he bought this knife, you know, this like really impressive sushi knife. Isn't that cool? <laughs> And he got really quiet for like <laughs> a legitimate like five seconds. It was a very Japanese moment. And then <laughs> and then he says, Tony, you know, I don't understand Americans sometimes. Like I, you know, I like soccer. I play soccer, but I know I'm not messy. So why would I buy Messi's cleats? I don't need Messi's cleats. <laughs> like, why does Elliot need the Messi's, you know, Messi's knife? The equivalent of that. Yeah, Takashi, what have you accidentally bought Messi's cleats <laughs> when you were just buying some stuff on a random store side or street side store and, you know, you ended up with Messi's cleats? You'd yeah, be pretty proud of no, it. No, fair, yeah, fair enough. And I mean, like, obviously Takashi loves you. Oh, and, no. You know, he was, knows you well no, and all that course. stuff. But it was, it was really funny. And uh, I think later, I think I told I, you that. I still remember when I walked into the stadium like two days later and it was before training and you guys were all stretching and doing your your functional movements and everything before training and i i walked through the weight room and and uh you look up at me you go oh e i uh told takashi about your knife and dave leans over and he goes this is good and i was like Oh no, where is this headed? And you proceeded to tell me Takashi's response. So I like your uh, rebuttal though, how you texted me that night (laughs) and Elliot sent me a picture of, uh, I think it was a package of hot dogs. It was. And he said, tell Takashi, (laughs) what did you say? I I think I said, if I'm not a world-class chef, how did I turn this into this? And it was a package of hot dogs and some random, some gourmet meal. meal. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, Takashi is, Takashi's great. Yeah. He's the best and he loves you. And he's, he was mostly kidding about that. (laughs) No, which is perfectly fine. He's right, too. I'm not a world-class chef. I don't need a world-class chef's knife, but I have one. So exactly. Just in case. (laughs) All right, E, let's let's talk about – let's let's diverge from soccer a little bit. We've talked a lot of soccer. um, But let's talk about – let's get into something really important, okay? And I think this will be our last topic for the day. So I want to talk to you about flight versus teleportation. Okay. Okay, this is something that's come up with my friends recently, something that we've been talking about. 
and something I'm, you know, we're, I'm taking seriously right this now. This is the least surprising thing that you and your friends <laughs> talked about flight versus teleportation you can, you can over time. Like that. Josh yeah, 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 was yeah, talking yeah. about this yeah. for hours. Yep, yeah, for I can sure. picture this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I want to give you a scenario, okay. all right? And so you have to choose whether you can fly or teleport. Okay. So it's not just as black and, black and white as that. So for teleportation, let's say you can have tr- 20 trips per year. So that's not okay. 20 round trip trips like on Delta or anything yeah. like that. That's 20 times teleporting. Okay. And every time you teleport, you get the wind knocked out of you. Okay. Okay. And every time you teleport that year, it gets that experience of getting the wind knocked out of you gets more and more painful. Okay. So it's a, you know, a harder experience every time you do it. And on the other side of that flight, the way I really like the way this is described. So think of it like a muscle. So think of flight like running. Okay. It's not something where you can all of a sudden jump up and start flying and you can zoom over to Paris or anything you, you want. Okay. It's a muscle you have to build up so you can fly and you can go at a leisurely walking pace. Okay, that's fine, but you're not really going to get anywhere. So if you want to get anywhere, if you really want to go, then you've got to train like you okay. would with running or jogging or something like yep. that. Yep. Um, so you can, you know, develop that. And let's say your speed tops out at about uh, 35 miles, 35, 40 miles per hour. Okay, if you really okay. train hard. So about twice the you know, amount, the amount that uh, the average human can run the yeah. speed there. Sure. Okay, so what do you think? Would you rather, under those circumstances, teleport, be able to teleport or be able to fly? It's I, tough. I, Think yeah, hard about this because this I, is going to, you know, this is a turning point. Sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, look, I, I think the ability to fly would be a very cool ability to be able to develop. You can get a different perspective on things. Sure. I also, I mean, there's nothing I enjoy more than traveling the world. You, so that's true. I, I think I'm still going to have to go with teleportation okay. because, you know, yeah, I'm getting the wind knocked out of me. It doesn't feel good. But if I can teleport myself, and you can bring someone with you, I should okay. say that. So you okay. can, you know, you yeah. can bring even uh, better. Yeah, exactly. But even they better. get the wind knocked out of them as well. Okay. Well, my my wife's a an, a runner, so she true. You know, never has. Well, then she, she might want to fly then, because Danielle does do crazy marathons. Sh- true. And so she might be like Elliot. Let's train for this. And I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm not training I'll for this. I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you there. Exactly. <laughs> I'll see you at the finish line. Uh, no, I think I'm still going to go with teleportation though, because like, for example, I mean, uh, you know, we don't look, you know, our schedule here, we play sure. all year round pretty much. We don't have a ton of off time. So if I could teleport to the Tsukiji fish market and go get myself, uh, you know, hang out for the weekend and get that sushi lunch, Get your knife sharpened. Three, get all my that. knife sharpened three days in a row. That I mean, that sounds incredible That's to me. Fair so enough. That's a good point. I, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to go. You know, I love to see new places. I love to see things that you know get a new perspective and see the world from a from a different you know a different vantage point and and the way people live it differently. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm going to go with teleportation. Okay, that makes sense. And I figured I knew you'd like to travel a lot, so I figured that would be your answer. Uh, the interesting part about this. What my friend pitched to me is it goes beyond just a little bit, just black and white of flying versus uh, transportation or uh, teleportation, excuse me. But it's there's a kind of a philosophical nature to it. So if you're about if you're using teleportation, you're more about the destination. But if you're flying, you're more about the journey. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, that's that's fair. Um, And it it does give me a little bit of pause because I. And I, I'm going to sound crazy, but one thing that I actually love about travel is mm-hmm. the journey there. Like, and even if it's just on planes and connecting in airports, like, sure. there's something I find enjoyable about that. I Most agree. people don't. No, uh, but, I know but what I, you mean. 
but I think it is cool to go, you know, like I, uh, yeah, I just got off a seven hour plane flight across the Atlantic and that was tough and it's not always fun, but Mm -hmm. there's just something, I don't know. There's something invigorating about the, the process of traveling as well. So, so that is, that is a fair, that is a, a fair consideration to bring into Sure, it. because if you can just teleport, you know, maybe yeah. that takes the fun out of traveling because, yeah. you know, it's no big deal. It's old hat. You can go to Paris. You can go to sure. Cairo anytime you want. And sure. so maybe you lose your uh, vigor sure. a little bit as far as traveling. Yeah, but if I can only fly 35 miles an hour and I got to build myself up there, I'm going <laughs> to, I might make it to St. George one, <laughs> one weekend. Like That is fair. True. Okay. But then you can still have your travel experience when yeah. you want to go, yeah. you know, across, true. across true, the world true, true. and all that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the smart, the smart what answer, did you the smart answer really is teleportation. Like that's if, especially, I didn't think about it with the perspective that you said about what we do and how limited our time off is, especially sure. you guys in the front office. I mean, the off season for you is the busiest time of the year. Sure. Like, you know, we all go on vacation and you guys go to work that time. Um, <laughs> you guys are working hard. We're too. working hard too. Fit. Yeah, gotta, of course we're doing the program yeah. and you know, we're doing all that stuff. That's, that's very true. It's not like all bets are off, but I agree. Like we get one day off a week, you know, yeah. it would be very cool to be able to spend that time, uh, wherever you want in the world, yeah. you know, especially with a significant other yep. family member and like traveling is exhaust is, is exhausting, yep. especially when you're doing it for sport. I know mm-hmm. exactly what you mean about, uh, the pleasure of traveling and the experience and whatnot, yeah. you know, how you're kind of earning to get yeah. to that final destination sure. point. Sure. And it, it's also yeah. kind of a piece, like your I phone's agree. not ringing. You're not you know, you're not, you don't have people bombarding you with questions about this or that or, you Totally, know. dude. I get that. Yeah, so, that's reading time for me. Yeah, so I exactly, totally, I exactly. totally get what you're saying. I've watched um, more movies on planes than I have in theaters and at, at my house in the last five years uh, by far. That's true. Yeah. Like way more. Tim Weaver does the same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but you got to get Weaver on this, by the we way. We do have to get Weaver we on. We want to talk about a perfect. little sidebar. Yeah. I know. He'd be perfect for this. I've actually been lobbying to him to get him on, but he's a little, uh, he's microphone yeah. shy. Yeah. I want him to come on and talk about movies uh, yeah. because that's actually funny. You're talking about traveling and movies because every away trip, obviously, I'm not traveling right now. He comes back and he says, Tony, I just watched this so-and-so movie on the yeah. trip. And he gives me his little Tim Weaver yep. review. Yep. And then we talk about that movie and the guy's yep. hysterical. Yep. But so anyways, yeah, I think, I think the obvious answer is teleportation also because as cool as flying would be, and obviously we all have dreams about that and whatnot. I mean, I feel like you're going to get exposed at some point. The government's going to find out about the fact that you can fly <laughs> true, no true. matter how well-trained your true. flight muscle is. Yep. And then you're, then that's it. That's then true. see you later, everything. That's absolutely true. But, but yeah, it's an interesting conversation, especially when you do that philosophical side of it, uh, journey, destination, and all that. So, yeah. but I'm with you. I'm teleporting right. to, right. to yeah. Rome, you know, yeah. every, every off day yeah. for the next year. Uh, you know, it, like you said, <clears throat> Egypt, I'd like, I'd love to go see the pyramids, go to, you know, just go get a meal in, in China. Yeah. Go, okay. Like, so if you could teleport, where would you go next this weekend, this off day? It's probably really hot in Egypt, but Egypt is absolutely a bucket list item. For sure. I, I have to go there at some point, but maybe not Egypt now. Maybe, maybe New Zealand. I've had a lot yeah. of, I've had a lot of my, my, uh, my in-laws went to New Zealand last year and then some of our friends just went to New Zealand on their honeymoon. Teal and I Everybody were supposed is, to go on our honeymoon yeah. until... Everybody has said that it is incredible. One yeah. of the one of the greatest places on the planet. So maybe maybe New Zealand. Go to Hobbiton. Just yeah, check that out. Sure. Yeah. Danielle Absolutely. would be pumped about that. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But <laughs> I'm still trying to get her to watch Lord of the Rings. She hasn't For watched sure, them, yeah. but you know. I got her to watch Star Wars. That's a big so, step. Yeah. I did not realize that. Yeah, yeah I got Teal to watch Star Wars yeah. a couple of years ago yeah. and now she's invested. Yeah. But she's like she doesn't I mean, 
I love her. But she doesn't quite get it. So like she, for sure, she liked the you know a couple movies that I'm like I have yeah. a lot of problems with and whatnot. She definitely, so, she definitely wouldn't. But like, but part of that is because you know it's the nostalgia of it for like, sure. Like yeah. for me, watching Star Wars is about going back to my childhood and what when I watched Star Wars. Exactly. Them, up, so. it doesn't resonate the same yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. So, somehow this show, okay. yeah, somehow this show just turns into Star Wars. Every topic, no matter what. Hey, that's all right. <laughs> Star Wars is great. All right, everyone. Well, there you have it. Uh, thank you so much, Elliot, for joining us today. Thank you. It's always a pleasure hanging out with you, buddy. I appreciate it. So uh, we're going to do the book club episode. On, that's going to debut on June 21st. Uh, if you haven't read that book, you have a little bit of time. Again, that's Isaac Isimov's iRobot. Really excited about this one. Uh, for the first uh, RSL book club review, it's going to be myself, Dave Horst, Brooks Lennon, Justin Glad, Jordan Allen, and Ryan Cotter. And then for the next book, which is a Matt Gash recommendation, uh, the book Ishmael, we're going to get uh, a lot more people in the locker room on board. Guys wanted to get involved, but um, getting them, them saying they want to get involved and them actually getting out to buy the book is another thing. So we're going to buy a bunch of copies of the book to make it easier on everybody and then donate them uh, to a charity after that or to the local library. Um, so that's coming June 21st. And then also I want to give a special shout out to the band Stars. If you notice, this is the second episode where we had new intro music. And that is courtesy of my favorite band, a Canadian-based indie rock pop band called Stars. You can check them out at youarestars.com. A good starting point off their new album would be maybe the song Alone. The song you're hearing in the beginning is uh, Take Me to the Riot, which has a special significance to me because that is the song that I typically listen to on the way to the riot on game day um, here in Salt Lake. So pretty neat there. Uh, this has been a production of the RSL Podcast Network. Again, you can check us out on RSL's website, on Facebook, on Twitter. Tweet at me, Tony Beltran 23 with what you like about the show, who you want to have on, and future topics. I'm Tony Beltran. Thank you all for listening, and I'll be right back. Take me, take me to the riot. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732.